This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another live edition of Ghost in the Night, a hauntings and paranormal podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to check out this podcast. I greatly appreciate it, and I enjoy coming to you every Sunday at Eight o'clock, give or take. Tonight we got a good one. Tonight we are talking about werewolves in Wisconsin. Now I am not. I should. I'm not a big cryptid guy. I do believe in cryptids to a certain extent. I think more often than not they are actually, you know, misidentifications and things such as that. But I do leave a small possibility for things to get freaky at times. Um, I know we don't have all the answers, and that is why they are somewhat interesting. Now, I don't carry a hard, fast rule when it comes to cryptids or Bigfoot or anything, things such as that. There are some crazy cryptids out there for sure, and you know, I don't talk a lot about them here on the podcast, even though if you've listened to me, you know I basically have the opinion that anything that we don't understand is paranormal. Paranormal is just not ghost. Paranormal is just not spirit. the spirit world. Paranormal is anything we don't understand, and that is the way I view it. And I definitely feel cryptids fall under that category, just like UFOs and multiple universes, multiple dimensions. It all falls under the same umbrella of the paranormal. That is one reason why I don't really have a hard, fast opinion on cryptids. I think there's a lot of BS out there, and there's a lot of misinformed people. And tonight we're going to talk about werewolves in Wisconsin. Just that name alone is kind of crazy, and it would cause people to kind of, you know, eh, look at it, look at like... What the hell are you talking about? So not a lot of people give it credence when you talk about these things, when you use terms like werewolves and things such as that, things such as that. But when it comes to Wisconsin and the werewolf thing, we're not really talking about werewolves, I don't believe. Maybe. I don't know. But every most people have probably heard of the Beast of Bray Road. Now, what that basically is, and that is what I'm going to refer to in this episode and but what that is is a canine type 
cryptid or canine type creature that made an appearance and kind of took the headlines back in the early 90s, I think right around 1991, is when it really, the story really broke. And I heard about this several years ago, uh, maybe two years ago. I didn't, I didn't give it a lot of thought just for the mere fact that cryptid canines can be very, they're tricky because they can be, I don't want to say debunked, but misidentifying is very common when it comes to cryptic canine, canines. And I don't, it's just hard to talk about them because you, we don't know. People see some weird stuff, especially all these sightings are at night and people see some weird things. And unfortunately, they misinterpret what they see especially when it comes to things like the Beast of Bray Road. You know, if you've seen a coyote or a dog with mange or even a black bear with mange, they can look kind of out of this world and they are ripe for misinterpreting what you are seeing and misidentifying it. So that is one reason why I did not put a lot of stock. I did not think about it that much. And I thought about doing this podcast a while ago when I first heard about it in one of the first podcast episodes, but it just didn't make the cut. But recently, I have, I don't want to say come across new information. I dove a little bit deeper into it and started listening to some other podcasts, started um, looking at some other documentaries, and I thought I'd talk about it because there's more to this story than just... uh, misidentifying. I think they're, this is a little bit creepier than what I originally thought or originally gave it credit for. So I think we need to talk about it. And so I wanted to talk about it and hopefully you guys will enjoy listening to it. If you have any comments, don't forget if you're on the live stream, be sure to leave a comment, ask a question, whatever, interact, however you want to do. If you're catching this on Thursday, when this does get, when this gets released on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast, pretty much anywhere we are, be sure to leave a comment and reach out to me on social media, Ghosts in the Night at, or Ghosts in the Night on Facebook or on Twitter at Night underscore Ghost. I'm also on Instagram at Ghost underscore Night underscore Podcast. That is where you can find me. Leave a comment there if you have an opinion on the Beast of Bray Road or any other cryptids, or any other paranormal type thing. If you have an experience, let me know. Maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. So now that's out of the way, let's talk about this Beast of Bray Road. Um, Like I said earlier, this kind of got a little creepy for me, and that's why I want to talk about it, because I think there is a paranormal connection. It's just, I think how, when you think of paranormal and you think of cryptids, and UFOs, I think there is some, in some way, they are connected, and it's undoubtable. You can't, you can't think of one without the other. And how many times have you heard that you, a ghost or a haunting might accompany a UFO sighting or a cryptid sighting? You know, I'm not talking about Bigfoot being an alien or spiritual or dimension. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about necessarily, but. They go hand in hand. You generally, if you see one, you might you're more acceptable to see another one. So, 
this case in Wisconsin is no different in I just it just fascinated me when I started I saw a documentary the other day so I wanted to talk about this and this happened in southeast Wisconsin in a little about a four mile stretch of road by a little town called Eckhorn, Wisconsin, which only has a population of about 10,000. 10, it's a farming-type community. And there, this road is lined with farms on the right and the left. And back in 1991, things got a little creepy. People started seeing some stuff and have interactions with these things. And the sightings really kind of took this community. When it got popular, it really took this community by storm and they had reported seeing some type of canine type creature seven to eight foot tall which is pretty damn big when you think about it and i really was not once i started doing some more research into this i was not a, i wouldn't say i wasn't aware but i didn't think wisconsin was as big of a hotbed or a hot spot or the paranormal as it really is. It seems like they are ripe with all types of paranormal activity. UFOs, naturally these cryptids, Bigfoots that has been sighted there, is frequently sighted there, and even hauntings. So I think the temperature is just right for something to go on there, and maybe there is something to this. Now, what really drew me in, let me get a drink here. <clears throat> What really drew me in was apparently, and this is something I learned, there's a hot spot for satanic rituals and satanic practice in Wisconsin. Was not aware of that. That is pretty interesting. And that just kind of makes this whole Beast of Bray Road thing, it kind of puts everything in a nice box that I didn't feel it had, it had before. And that is one reason why I want to talk about it. But when you add the ghost sightings, you add the UFOs, you add the cryptids, and you talk about the satanic rituals. Oh, and I even forgot. Slenderman. One of the most notorious Slenderman stabbings, essentially, happened in Wisconsin. The teenage girls that stabbed their friend to appease Slenderman made national headlines. Movies have been made about it. It's Documentaries have been made. That happened in Wisconsin. I mean, I'm sure it's, I know it's happened, we had a similar type situation here in Ohio, actually in Cincinnati, but that was probably the biggest and most well-known type thing. So there's some freaky and crazy stuff going on in Wisconsin, just not cheese curds. But when you throw all that in a barrel, that kind of gets my attention. Maybe in the terms of paranormal, there's something definitely going on here. And you add in the Native American history of Wisconsin. And we all know that Wisconsin, or Native American history can be the foundation for some hauntings and when it comes to ghost sightings and things such as that with burial grounds and everything. So it's really fascinating. This is what drew me to the story where before I wasn't that interested. It's just a, a dog with mange or a coyote with mange or something like that. So when you throw in the satanic stuff, naturally the Native American history of Wisconsin and these people's sightings, it gets interesting. So we're going to talk about it a little, and I want your, definitely want your opinion. 
And hello, mother. She's back on. Uh, where was I at? So, back in 1901, there was a... Some people started seeing some stuff, and a news reporter by the name of Linda Godfrey uh, got assigned to the case. She started doing some investigation and took some reports of, uh, you know, some people experiencing this canine cryptid creature, monster, whatever you want to call it. But the uh, Walworth County Week, which is a newspaper there, is who she worked for. And if you, Linda Godfrey is kind of the cryptid paranormal type author from, she's the expert when it comes to Wisconsin. She's written many books from The Real Wolfman, American Monsters. I know what I saw and naturally the Beast of Bray Road. Those are some of her books. There's others as well. So she's the go-to when it comes to the craziness and creepiness of Wisconsin. But she worked for this newspaper, a small little newspaper, and she got assigned to this weird case. And she started doing some investigation, talking to some people who experienced this or had the sightings. And she was very skeptical at first from what I've heard and read about. And they, uh, she even talked to the animal control people and he pulled out, and this is what was weird. And really when I was watching this one particular documentary, I did not write down the name. I should have wrote it down. But he, when she talked to talked to him, he pulled out a manila folder, and in the little tab area where you write, you know, what's in the folder, it said werewolf. Naturally, that's going to catch your attention, and that's where things get a little creepy. So he pointed in the right direction. She talked to some of these other sightings, and there was one, several people that experienced experiences back in 1991, but one was uh, Dolores Gibson. It was one of the first people she talked to. And she was driving down this road. And I do have a little bit of an issue with the story, the way it was explained. And I will kind of get to that in just a second. But she was driving down this road and thought she hit something. Heard a thump, felt a thump while driving. And so she thought she hit somebody's or somebody's dog. You know, being a farm farming area, you know, dogs do kind of run wild. People don't necessarily keep the dogs on chain. So she was stopped the car, and got out. Did not see anything. She kind of walked toward the back, apparently, or walked around the car to kind of see if anything was there. She looked off in the distance and saw some sort of creature. And that kind of shivered down her spine, naturally. It would freak anybody out. would freak me out if I saw something I could not explain in the dark, which, in you know, in the dark, witness testimony, witness... Witnesses aren't that reliable, They, especially when fear kicks in. They tend to not be so reliable. But naturally, it scared her. She got back in the car, and this thing started running, started lunging at her, and or lunging at the car. She, As she was taken off, but it lunged, jumped on the back of the car. Some She got away, but whatever it was did put claw scratches down the trunk, which... Nice piece of evidence, but we don't know what that is. I can't say definitively what it, I know it. I don't know. I wasn't there. Could have been a bear. Could have been some kind of wild dog. But whatever it was, it was pretty big, and I will give her that. And my issue with this story is if she hits something and thump, and if this thing has been reported to be seven foot to eight foot tall, you know, a 
dog type or werewolf or wolf type creature standing up that walks on its hind legs, you're just not going to feel a little thump. That shit's going to total a car. And you can hit a deer and total a car. So that that is a little issue I do have with the story as it is worded, as it has been recited. So I don't know. But Linda Goffrey talked to her. Another woman came forward that she was driving home from work. She was a younger lady. Now, oh, I forgot the Floris or Doris Gibson. She was a senior in high school, so she was young. And, you know, when you're a senior in high school, you know, you can kind of get a little freaked out a little bit. You're not as, um, I hate to say we're mature, but you, you know, when you get older, you experience things a little bit more. You don't get as freaked out in general, those situations. So that does play it. A factor, and I'm sure she felt and or saw something. I'm, I'm positive of it, but her credibility does. They have to weigh that into the credibility. Is basically what I'm trying to say in a really long way. But let's get the uh, other person she talked to was uh, another woman coming home from work, and she was driving down the road, and on the side of the road, she saw some creature, saw some animal. Let's go with animal eating some roadkill off the side of the road she didn't stop naturally she kept going she just thought it was weird how it was crouched down it looked like some sort of wolf type animal you know basically looked like an oversized german shepherd but the way it was crouching it was almost like it was humanoid how it was crouching down and holding the roadkill with its paws or claws and eating this whatever it was so she that freaked her out, and she went forward and talked to Linda Goffrey. Linda Goffrey actually had her go to talk to the animal control office and one of the officers there. And this is where you know it gets a little freaky. And really, what you know kind of spurred me to talk about this tonight. She was telling she went to the animal control office, was telling her telling him her story. And naturally, he they were kind of going over, you know, known animals in the area. Could it be this? Showing pictures, you know, doing like a lineup. Could it be this? And as it went forward, the conversation went forward. They started, you know, it turned to the supernatural, to the paranormal. And as soon as they went to the supernatural aspect of this, how this could be some sort of cryptid, something strange happened. As soon as it went to that topic or that conversation was steered in that direction books started flying off the shelf that was behind them so there is some link with the paranormal in this thing that could be one hell of a coincidence but i don't know i mean that that is kind of weird and i you know i don't know what to do with that but that does draw my interest because of the paranormal and kind of coming to the consumption or the idea that this the assumption, I should say. Wow, if I could talk. The assumption that this is more than just misidentifying, misidentifying a known creature. So, what does this mean? Do I think there's a werewolf rolling around Wisconsin back in the nineteen early 90s? I don't know. I mean, but you throw all this in, the satanic practices, the Native American history... There's something freaky going on there. And naturally, when this story broke, it 
caught fire. It really sparked the imagination of of some people in the town, of the people in the state. Bigger news outlets picked it up. Naturally, once the word got out, more people started coming forward. And this thing, whatever it is, this these sightings have been seen have been seen a lot earlier than what people originally thought. Now this is where the Native American aspect of the story is going to tie in, especially. But people started coming forward, and one person came forward and said his dad saw the creature, had an encounter with the creature back in, as far back as, I believe this one was back in 1936. And this encounter took place close to a, it was a Native American site. Uh, there was some sort of church on the around the premises, a Catholic school or a church or some something with the church around there because that area kind of had been kind of heavy with impossible demonic type entities. I believe there was even a I could be wrong on this, but I believe there's even an exorcism performed there. And they in the sighting, he saw what appeared to be a canine creature on top of an Indian mound, or I shouldn't say Indian, I'm sorry, Native American mound. And it was digging at it. And when they kind of noticed one another, it said a word, and I'm going to butcher this word, I know I am. Let's see, I wrote it down. Gadara. Now, apparently, I'm taking Linda Godfrey's word for this one. Gadara is has a biblical reference when it comes to, it talks about demons and things such as that. I believe probably, you know, it has a reference to that. And it possibly could be even a type of demon that was exercised at some point or listed in the uh, archives of the church. So that throws the spiritual and the demonic side into this whole thing. Now, a lot of hauntings happen around Native American land, you know, landmarks, burial grounds. We all have heard of, anybody in the field anyway has heard of, whenever there is an area that is ripe and has a strong history of Native American people, you know, the history is really strong in that area. There are still Native American people around. There's always seems to be activity. And, you know, you have to think about these people, what they went through, driven from their land, having their land stole from them. That had to really have an effect on the environment, the pain, the suffering that these people went through. And that could be part of the reason why a lot of these historically Native American, historical Native American sites do tend to have a lot of paranormal activity. And there's one aspect of this, and this really throws in one aspect of this. Could this be a skinwalker? People don't like, Native Americans do not like to talk about skinwalkers, but could the Beast of Bray Road be some sort of skinwalker? Very, it, it makes it a little bit interesting. Because I believe Brave Road at one time, according to historical records, was even 
an actual Native American trail that they essentially just turned into road over time. So that area has a strong history with the Native American people. And we all know that Skinwalker is, a Skinwalker is a very interesting part of Native American culture that they do not talk about because just mentioning the name of the Skinwalker could, you know, bring one out. Maybe I, I could have just screwed up, but I doubt it. I've done another episode on Skinwalkers before. So I don't think I've seen one, so I think I'm safe. But that just kind of makes this even more interesting of what why they're seeing this canine-type cryptid. You know, because a lot of people talk about skinwalkers say it is some t- a shaman. I could be off a little bit, but a shaman that turns into some kind of wolf-type animal. Very similar. Or this could be just all urban legend where people are tying, you know, connecting knots and making assumptions, saying some weird things, and with the Native American culture there, things get blown up. Very possible. And it could just be a coyote. Well, coyote's kind of small, but a, a big dog. Very possible. But over the years, you think things would, it kind of work itself out. But but you throw the Native American skinwalker concept in there. You throw the satanic practice, which Wisconsin is known for, apparently. Which, I was, like I said earlier, was a shock to me. I know they're, what, what Dahmer was from, like the Eat People. I think he was from Milwaukee, I think. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Somebody will let me know if I'm not correct on that. But, so... Wisconsin has this dark past and this dark energy that surrounds it. And when you talk about satanic practices, they are trying to bring forth some sort of demon. That is what the practice is for, ritual for, bringing forth something from the underworld. Maybe somebody was successful. And that is why people are experiencing that. Or maybe it's... It is a skinwalker. I don't know. But people are definitely seeing something. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, a lot of times these are just misidentifications when it comes to dog-type cryptids. Because they can be sick and they can really look deformed. And But when you throw in all this other supernatural stuff, like I said, the spiritual, the Indian, the satanic ritual, and the mere numbers now of people seeing it, it can't all just be hysteria. The town just didn't go crazy. They have This thing has been seen all over south, southern part of Wisconsin at this point. And it, they are still seeing it today, to this day, apparently. There have been sightings, I believe in July, is, I believe I saw earlier in my research. So, what is it? Because like I said, when I first heard this story, I didn't put in a lot of stock into it, just for the mere fact of, you know, like I said, it can be very easily debunked or very easily misidentified. Because if you've seen pictures of sick animals or sick dogs or sick coyotes or even sick bears, they can look not of this world. They do not look anything like 
what they normally do in the wild. I mean, hair is kind of weird and, you know, spotty and have more skin. But most of this, one reason why I don't, as I learn more about it, I don't think this is actually, you know, a mange issue is because most of the sightings that I've seen or accounts that I've seen or read about talk about it's full of hair. Generally, mange you're going to have, it's going to be spotty. You're not going, they're going to have regular, their hair has fallen out. So maybe it's not, but things are still going on today. There's one farmer, I forget his name. He came in, moved in late to the area, but he see, he's seen it several times. He even put up tra- I mean, ca- drawing a blank. Oh, trail cams. Wow, can't believe I drew a blank on that. Trail cams and caught some weird stuff. And I believe in one, they didn't talk about this, but in one picture it looked like there was even a UFO in one of the trail, trail cams. Something was in the sky that looked like a saucer, saucer. But he would put out... He'd get roadkill from the road and put it in a spot by the trail camp and see, try to see what was coming and getting it and dig a hole to where it'd have to be picked up. And in one set of pictures, I believe he put a deer in a hole by a trail camp. The deer, he naturally was gone. And at the timestamp of when that deer was gone, there was a mist on the trail camp. It didn't show, it just... Didn't see any animals or anything, just a gray mist, like a a localized fog right in front of the uh, trail camp. So that is freaky. That is interesting. So I don't really know what to make of that. I could understand if I don't know what the bear population is in Wisconsin. I'm sure they have some sort of black bear. But you would think you would see that. The coincidence of it being a malfunction of the camera of the trail cam at that point exact moment when this thing is taken or this deer is taken i don't know i mean that's one hell of a coincidence if i'm being honest and i've heard stories of go with this the skinwalker concept you know they appear in Shapeshift. They're basically shapeshifters. Shapeshifters. Say that three times real fast. And that could explain for that weird mist. So maybe, maybe there is some legitimacy to all this. I don't know. Let me know what you think. We are going to keep this one a little short tonight. But I'm not 100% sold that this is a cryptid. But you throw in all those scenarios, all the, there's something weird going on in Wisconsin. I might have to get my happy ass up there at some point and kind of try to experience something for myself. But, you know, I think the skinwalker or the ritual, the occult, the satanic ritual is definitely something that needs to be looked at when it comes to this particular cryptid. Because maybe something was brought in by some kind of ritual or some kind of shamanic Native American ritual. Maybe there's a skinwalker in Wisconsin. I don't think there's werewolves. I don't buy werewolves. Even though I buy werewolves more than I buy zombies. I'd much rather have a zombie apocalypse than get overrun by werewolves. Just for my two cents. 
but we're going to go ahead and cut this one for now. Um, thank you for joining me tonight for the live stream. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Don't forget, you can get the video version of each episode on YouTube or however you take in your podcast. This will be dropped Thursday. I drop these live recordings on Thursday on the regular RSS feed. That is the easiest way to take in the podcast, but don't forget you can go to ghostinthenightpodcast.com to see all the show notes. You can follow me on Twitter at night underscore ghost, Instagram at night, what is it? Yeah, ghost underscore night underscore podcast, and naturally here on Facebook, Ghost in the Night. I do these live podcast recordings for the Thursday episode every Sunday. Nine times out of ten, they will be at 8 o'clock, 8 or 9, but I shoot for 8 o'clock unless I have prior engagements. But that is going to wrap it up. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Reach out. If you have a story, be sure to let me know. And I will end it at that. Thank you so much for checking it out. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bodega Bodega Alpha and Omega. <clears throat> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sa wing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, Did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh yeah. Let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That one. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled my mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.